0: Oh God, it's incredible. You're right here with us. Your spirit is within us. And so we have this wonderful connection, this wonderful encounter of this relationship that is active and living. God, take your word uh, that was spoken years ago but is still powerful and applicable today and apply it right to our hearts this morning. I ask it in your son's name. Amen. Life is full of changes and stages (laughs) so as a baby we open our eyes and we're introduced to our family and we are cared for every aspect of our life is cared for life is good life is simple then as we get a little bit older we we get to kindy we do the kindy thing. I didn't like kindy. They used to make you have a sleep. I hated that. It seemed—I don't know—it was only like an hour, but it seemed like days. <laughs> and then you move to school. Well, school was good. You could play sport at school. Uh, and then you sort of through the various stages. There's some significant stages: getting your license and getting your car, uh, getting married, having kids, uh, working your way through work to the point where you retire. Uh, and then when you retire, you normally travel. You go all around the place. after you 've retired and you've traveled and you run out of money, then you just look forward to heaven. Uh, that 's sort of like next step. <laughs> okay i 'm ready now i 've done it all. So we have all these stages uh, in our life. A- and it 's important to understand that if we go back two thousand years ago, uh, Jesus talked to his Father in heaven, and set about to put in place a plan. And this plan would have stages. This plan would be, uh, according to certain things, taking place uh, in the life uh, of God's people. And uh, there's this huge, life-changing moments that take place. Some of them we're very aware of, and they are significant, but others sometimes significant, but we miss Uh, And this morning what we're going to try and do is see God's plan and how that includes all of us, but to make sure we don't miss the important bits. So if you have your Bible, and we're going to look at John chapter 17, which Sam uh, read to us, we're going to read from verse 1. Okay. Okay. Are you able to move that for me, Renata, if I do something with my hands? Or uh, we seem to... If we're able to. If not, uh, please listen. After Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and prayed, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority, and this is the key thing, Jesus has authority over all the people that they might have eternal life. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So the first stage of the plan, Jesus is praying to the Father, and we're being reminded that Jesus has authority to grant you eternal life. To grant you and I forgiveness of sin... And as a result of that, forgiveness of sin to be in a relationship with God so that we might experience eternal life. We are children of God. And then Jesus goes on to explain what this life is like. What is eternal life? Uh, and it's interesting because sometimes when we think about eternal life or we think about heaven, we think of a timing thing. It's endless, it's eternal, doesn't end, which is true sometimes we try and think about a place and we have a picture in mind what heaven might look like and so often our mind is limited as humans would be naturally to a time and a place but actually Jesus in this passage actually gives us an insight that eternal life is far more than just a never-ending life and it's far more than spending an eternity in a wonderful place but eternal life is knowing God It's actually a relationship. So eternal life is this gift where Jesus has done everything necessary so that you and I can be in relationship with God forever. So the eternity concept in heaven is an important one, I'm not doubting that. But rather than thinking about a place and rather than thinking about a time, an eternity... We need to start thinking about what this gift of life is. This gift of life is that you and I can be restored to our Creator. The relationship with our God and King can be restored. We can live in harmony with Him as God's child. And so, despite of all our weakness and our brokenness, despite our sin, uh, despite the fact that we make mistakes and we fall short, God's grace demonstrated through the life of Jesus given to us as a gift is not just eternal life time and place but the gift is that you and I can sit in fellowship with our creator no guilt no shame no burden no sense of uh, inferiority in a sense of feeling uh, not being at home But we are at home with our Heavenly Father. That's the gift of eternal life. And that's what Jesus is talking to God about as he prays. You've given me this power, this authority, to reconcile God's children to the Father. That's eternal life. That's the gift. Yes, it's endless. And yes, there will be a physical place of some description uh, where we are in heaven... But our minds need to go from a time and place, thinking about eternal. oh it's great, it never ends, I'll never die, how good's that? Or, how good will heaven be? You know, I'm not sure what it is um, for you. (laughs) Fish without bones, I I have no idea. Uh, What will heaven be for you? Um, Humanly, our mind just goes to time and place because you and I are locked in time. We're guarded by our watches and our phones. We're just locked into a time schedule, so we just think time. And you and I are physical people, so we sit on seats and we have houses and we drive cars. We're physical, so we think about heaven as a place. But you'll see in this passage that Jesus actually talks about what is eternal life, it's knowing God. It's having that amazing opportunity that you and I can sit at God's feet and call him Dad, Abba Father, forgiven, restored, part of the family, children of God. How good is that? But we're going to move on today because that's not the only thing that Jesus discussed with God. (laughs) That's not the only thing about being adopted into The family. Hey, this is the thing that we often miss, but we're adopted into God's family, but we're also adopted into God's purposes. We now become part of God's plan. No luck, Uh, it's okay. From verse 10, if you're following, all I have is yours and all you have is mine and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer but they, your children, they are still in the world and I am coming back to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me so that they may be one as we as one. Here is the second stage of the plan. Jesus would go back to the Father and he'd pass the baton on to us to continue the ministry of his church. And so we're adopted into the family, but we're also adopted into his purpose. Can we just pinch ourselves for a while? Just just have a think about this. Jesus is praying about you to the Father, saying, God, I'm coming back to you, but I'm handing your ministry over to my people, to you. (laughs) We need to be aware of the privilege, I suppose, in the shadow of the cross, he's just about to be crucified, in the shadow of the cross, Jesus gives birth to the church. In the shadow of the cross, it says, God, I'm presenting to you your church. I'm leaving, I'm going back, and I'm trusting your kingdom to your church. So in the shadow of the cross, Jesus is thinking about what's going to happen, and what is, what is it we're meant to be? We're meant to be the visible representation of God. The visible representation of the invisible God. And we are to be the outward expression of the love of God. And so we're called into his purpose. And so what's happened is uh, we've been extracted or removed from the philosophy of this world... We no longer share the world's purposes. We, we no longer live our life according to worldly wisdom. So we've been removed from the philosophy of the world. But we haven't intentionally been left here in the world to be the visible representation of God and his love. That's our purpose. We now have a new agenda. Not only are we born again with the Spirit of God, not only do we receive eternal life, not are, are we... Not only are we able to know God as Abba Father, we now have a new purpose. And this is the problem. (laughs) If we just rest in being a child of God and enjoying His love and eternal life, but we don't understand that there's a second stage where we live out and represent God, we live in this tension of not knowing how to live. Because the only way that we can be in this world but not of it is to clearly understand our purpose. And if our purpose isn't clear, we'll have one foot in both camps and we'll be confused. (laughs) So our purpose is to express, be a visible expression of the invisible God. So just imagine Jesus is sort of like this meeting of heads of whatever, God and Jesus are talking... (laughs) And Jesus is saying, well, this is what's going to happen, Dad. Uh, I'm going to come back to you, um, but I have, with the authority you've given me, placed uh, your spirit in your people, and now they will be your church and they will continue your ministry. I would suggest that that's a significant life-changing moment for you and me. (laughs) It's not just eternal life, but we have a purpose and a calling so we are a child of God and we are able to know God. But we are also his church. And we now know our purpose. So we are no longer in of the world, but we're left here intentionally by God. And so if you're considering your purpose, if we're wondering what's this about? Why do I get out of bed every morning? Why did you leave me here? What's the point? We are the visible demonstration of the love of God. We are His church. We are establishing His kingdom. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. (laughs) Now, I have a little bit of mixed emotion here. I I like the idea of being a child of God, I, I like the idea of being able to call God Abba, Dad, being adopted into His family. And initially, when you say, well, Paul, you are now the church, you are now called to represent God, I think, oh, that's a great honour. I think, oh, okay. (laughs) I'm meant to express God, I'm meant to express His love. Uh, That's great. Sort of. Maybe. Possibly. (laughs) Because inevitably, you and I are overwhelmed by a sense of inadequacy. (laughs) Jesus left, and He's left it with me. And so initially, although we might say, hey, that's great, we go, oh, what does that really look like? Well, one of the things that Jesus said to God about this is, living out this purpose, being the church, that is the source of our joy. So we may feel a little overwhelmed, but it's actually a source of our joy. Because when we are in the place where we understand why we're here, life starts making sense. And when we understand why we're here to be the church, to represent the invisible God, suddenly all these other worries and pressures and things that the world wants to give us, all this, uh, I was going to say garbage, but I meant baggage, but same thing. (laughs) All these extra responsibilities of what you and I have to be and achieve just falls away. Because our purpose is to be an expression of the invisible God. We've been commissioned... And this is where our joy comes from. This is where our contentment comes from. This is what God's plan was. This is stage two of his plan. So just like we're born and we go to kindy and then school and license, there is a staging, I suppose, of our understanding. First, we are called into God's family. Jesus said, you've given me the power to do that. But then Jesus says to God, I'm coming back. Make sure the room's free. (laughs) I'm coming back, but I'm going to leave your church. I I want God, this is your church. This is your people. This is how your ministry will be conducted. So, what does that look like? From verse 13 I am coming to you, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so they may have a full measure of joy within them. There's our joy. And I have given them your word and the your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world my prayer is not that you take them out of the world but you protect them from the evil one wow it's hotting up (laughs) so we have been given this responsibility to be the church but now Jesus is praying for our protection because the world hates him (laughs) The life that we are to live, the life that we introduce is an offence to the world. And so we need God's protection. And that protection comes for two reasons. We need to be protected not only because the world hates us. The, the cross is an offence to people. That There is a real, um, I suppose, a real barrier and a rejection uh, in worldly thinking. But the other reason that we need to be uh, pray for God's ex- Protection is the two extremes, either we're too much of the world or we're too much of man's church. He's praying that we will find the tension of understanding how we're still in the world but we're God's church. So sometimes we're so much of the world they can't tell any difference. We don't look any different from the world because we're so much like the world. The other extreme is that we put so much man into what the church is like that we fill it with tradition and ritual and and all this stuff that it becomes irrelevant to the world and so what Jesus is praying is that you and I have the wisdom to live in this tension where we're in the world but we're not of it we're not some religious group of people that that has invented what Christianity should be or the church should look like and we sort of put out isolate ourselves but we're different enough from the world that people can see something different about us and that's tension do you know as a christian i get sick of the tension don't you i just i can't something be easy can't something be simple can't it just be black and white can't god just tell me what to do and plain figures and let's tension all the time should i do this or should i do that Let me tell you, the Christian life is always about tension. Minute by minute, moment by moment, we live in the tension of asking God, God, what is it you want me to do? What is it you want me to say? How do you want me to act? Do you know why we like black and white? Do you know like fundamental churches grow? Do you know why there's a huge sense of relief when someone can just give it to me straight, black and white? We can stop thinking... (laughs) As someone says, these are the rules and you just stay in your lane and you'll be fine. But you need to understand that staying in the lane is not how God does it. We live in constant tension all of the time, seeking what the Spirit is saying, asking God what we should be doing and how we should be living. That's how you can be in the world and not of it. Otherwise, we'll, we'll, just, we'll just settle for something black and white and we'll just get old and boring and we'll feel comfortable but we'll never be challenged because the challenge is knowing God, God's Spirit within us and He's stirring us all the time. I'll give you an example, sometimes when we talk about giving, this is attention. I could easily sell my house, a car or two or even a child... <laughs> No, but I could. I I could sell my house, I could do that and I could send all the money to Africa and Kath and I could live in a tent. I'm not sure how long Kath will be there with me but we could live in a tent. (laughs) So is God asking me to do that? Well, I don't think He is. But how do I know how much I give to other people? I live in the tension of the Spirit... god what are you saying what do you want me to do there's nowhere written in the bible to tell me yes it talks about tithing and giving a tenth but that's that's a guide i'm constantly living in this tension what should i do and so when the church is trying to operate within the community in 2024 we are constantly living in this tension how do we represent jesus how do we show them the love of god what is it we're going to fight over what is it we're going to love them about constantly in this tension and this is what Jesus is praying God protect them protect them from the evil one protect them from being too much man in the church or protect them from being just like the world help them to live in the tension now we can't put this in the constitution I can't give you 20 points of how we're going to do this because it's changing all the time shock horror do you know baptists would not sign up to some of the original documents hundreds of years ago because the baptists were quite clever in this thing they said no we won't sign up to anything because we're serving a living God who's speaking to us all the time and we're growing and developing and changing our mind all the time so if you like black and white and if you like safe Christian life is not for you being religious might be but being a follower of Jesus isn't because I can tell you being a follower of Jesus means your intention every minute of every day God what are you saying what do you want me to do how can I change how do you want me to see this how do I read this that's why we need protection because it takes God's wisdom to know how to be in the world but not of it I've said a lot more than I was going to say I don't know where I just keep going they are not of the world even as I'm not of it then he says sanctify them by the truth your word is truth as you sent me into the world I have sent them into the world for them I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. A lot of sanctification happening there. (laughs) What it means is this is what you and I have been set apart to do. This was God's plan, that we would listen to his spirit, that we would be obedient to it, we'd live into the tension, God what do you want me to do because it's hard being in the world but not of it. And it's hard to know. I don't want to go to extremes. I don't want to be so much like the world that they can't tell any difference, but I don't want to be some a religious ritual that we just isolate ourselves. I, I want to be where you want me to be. This is what God set you apart for, this is what He sanctified you for, this is what He calls you to do to be the church, to live in tension. This is our calling. This isn't some side hustle. This isn't something that we just do when we get a spare time. This is our life, being the church, representing the invisible God to the society in our community, expressing the love of God. It was God's plan that he'd send Jesus to the cross and it was God's power to raise him up from the dead. It was God's plan that you would be His church, and it would be God's power within you so that you're able to do it. That's the tension that we live in. So in the world but not of the world, how does that look? It's the sender seen in the scent. That's what it looks like. The sender is seen in the scent. God. And an expression of His love, mercy, grace, power and compassion is seen in those who are sent. That's us. So let's rejoice, we are the children of God. Let's say thank you for eternal life. But it's not just a time we live forever. My kids are petrified that heaven would be just church, non-stop, on a loop. (laughs) For the rest of their life. (laughs) it'll even be me preaching, Jacob, just to rub it in. (laughs) But it's not, eternal life is not a time thing, it's not even a place thing. Look, the golden streets and this and that, enjoy it and go for it, I'm not sure what it's going to look like, none of us will be disappointed. But it's not about a place even, (laughs) it's about a state of relationship, that's eternal life, that we can know God, but not just know God, we can say, Dad, Abba, Father that's great but what do we do in the meantime? We've retired, we've had our holiday, we're just waiting to go with heaven, what what do we do now? (laughs) We are his church and Jesus in that prayer meeting with God said I'm going now but I want to present to you your church, that's you and me, how good is that? Let's know our purpose because that will be our joy and our contentment, let's live for him Let's live for Him. Let's pray. Father God, we spent the last four weeks talking about a lifestyle of worship. And we've reflected on about the presence of God and services like this, where we come for an hour and we share together, that's really important, that's worship. But worship is about a lifestyle worship is living for you seven days a week and God you just reminded us today yes we live in your love as a child of God we thank you for the gift of eternal life but God we're reminded of the calling that we have and this is where our purpose comes from and our joy to be your church and it's a church that's going to be in the world but not of it God, we pray that the people would see the sender, that's you, in the scent, that's us. That we would express visibly the invisible God. That we would express your love, mercy and grace. God, help us to see and understand this is our life and this is our calling. And God, there's some times when I get tired and the, living in that tension. <laughs> but God, give me courage and strength because if we're really listening to you, really, we're in tension all of the time, asking your spirit to lead and to guide us every minute of every day. Help us not to put our tent pegs down and say we're finished. I'm not thinking about that anymore. But may we continue to grow in intimacy with you and all the time asking God, what is it you want me to say? What is it you want me to do? Help us to live in that tension. Do you make your response? Do you make your response? Who calls you to be his church?